founder and artistic director of the Evidence Dance Company, Ronald K. Brown deftly fuses traditional African dances with modern dance styles. Despite having suffered from a debilitating stroke in 2021, Ron continues to choreograph and teach, inspiring generations of artists. At his core, Ron wakes up grateful for each day and maintains his identity as a storyteller. I choreograph a sentence or a phrase, and then a series of phrases that become a chapter, and then you just keep building until you have a book. And so I think about it in the same way of writing a story. You're listening to Moving Moments, the podcast that explores the dance world's most accomplished and groundbreaking artists. I'm your host, Alicia Graf Mack, Dean and Director of Dance at the Juilliard School. During each episode, you'll hear me talk with some of my closest friends and most trusted colleagues as we sit down to hear about their creative process and how they are changing the dance world on and off the stage. We are in your offices in yes. Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, yes. and just looking around, this place is so rich with the images of your company, of mm-hmm. your work, and of your legacy. It's amazing to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Ron, this podcast is all about the creative process. Okay. And revealing those moving moments that propel great artists to continue to create their magic. Wow. And I have to tell you that in my own dance career, you've played such a pivotal Uh, role in my life, in my trajectory, and in making those magical moments for me that I hold on to and remember. And in 2005, in my very first year at Ailey, Mm. I was very unsure about this decision to join the company because I had come from a more classical ballet orientation. And I auditioned to be in a work called Ife that you were looking to create. And I thought, there's no way he's going to choose me, but I'm going to enjoy this opportunity to be in the room with you. And you blew my mind. <laughs> I think yeah. everybody else is like, oh, the ballerina is going to dance like that. It's so amazing, Alicia. Oh, thank so you. So amazing. I just, you know, uh. getting the opportunity to do that work, it was so affirming for me and it catapulted my confidence to be able to say you know what you've landed here and you're gonna do this thing and I have to tell you another moment that I will hold on to forever we were performing grace on tour Mm -hmm. and I had the great opportunity to perform the role of the goddess mother Mm -hmm. and I remember at the end the last scene is this rapture moment. Mm -hmm. The lights are bright, everyone's dressed in white, and I've told my story. And I remember looking out and thinking, do not forget this feeling. Oh, wow. This feeling is like the why of everything that makes me me. And because if you never dance another day. Oh, my goodness. This is what you fought for. Hmm. And I think it was the spirit that lives in that piece. Mm -hmm. What you poured into the work and what you bring out for artists that's so special. So I want to thank you. You're welcome. And thank you. That's beautiful. Thank you. I want to start at the beginning Mm -hmm. because I think childhood 
and dreams and aspirations make us who we are. Yes, I agree. This is easy. I grew up maybe three blocks from here. Wow. And my mom says that I would I dance to everything. She couldn't get me dressed to go to school because I was dancing to any music that was on the TV. <laughs> In the supermarket, I heard music. I was always dancing. In the second grade, I went to see the Alvin Ailey Mercury Dance Theater. He came home and made a dance. I was like, okay, I'm going to dance about God and people. And so I just started making up dances around the house, moving furniture, putting on shows for my family. My mother was like, stop moving my furniture around. <laughs> You break something after people have to pay for it. I'm like, Mom, I'm 10 years old. <laughs> so she took me to a dance class here at Restoration. And I was like, Mom, there's 80 girls. It was, there wasn't. But mm-hmm. I think I was the only boy. It felt and I was like, like that. Yeah, it felt like that. And I was like, No, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do this. And then, but my mom had these encyclopedias. So I knew about Arthur Mitchell and Dancing to Harlem. And I thought I, was, I wanted to be a ballet dancer. And so when I turned 12 years old, my mom was going to take me to an audition for a summer program at DTH. We got to the door of our apartment. And she went into labor with my little brother. Yeah. I was like, okay, forget it. I have a sister who's two years younger than me. Like, so now I really have to be a big brother. My sister, Tara, she laughed. She said, you wouldn't wear sneakers anymore. You got that briefcase. I had a briefcase. I went to school. And I was like, I'm a big brother. My great-grandmother's brother founded the family church on Fulton Street, so in this neighborhood too. But in that church, very strict Pentecostal church, women could not wear makeup or V-necks, open toe shoes, or we had to have their head covered, and no dancing at all. But then on my father's side, we went to another church, and there you had to dance. And so down in North Carolina, when I go to the church, I would say, oh, Bishop Cunningham, I think I want to dance today. And my father's wrong also. Everybody, my family calls me Kevin, uh, both sides. Mm-hmm. So Kevin, when you walk in the door, we expect you to dance. You don't have to tell us. Uh, oh, wow. So the difference between my father's side of family, um, Side mm-hmm. in terms of dancing, God was totally different. But I was like, oh no, dance is where your spirit can be free. Music and dancing, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. And uh, amazing to see how that thread has carried through your whole career as a creator. Did you know what it was to be a choreographer when you were making up these dances? Alicia, I'm going to be a journalist and a playwright. That was my plan. So I went to we were at Morrow High School, mid, the Midwood section of Brooklyn, Communications Arts Center. Okay, so we're there for high school. My mom, she's like, I know they have dance there. I said, Mommy, no, it's too late. It's too late. I'm a journalist. So I started doing musicals. And the dance teacher there, Sally Hipshot, took me to Lynn Simonson in these jazz classes. But I, I didn't want to take any dance classes mm. in high school. So I got a scholarship for journalism. Mm-hmm in a small school in Winooski, Vermont, at St. Michael's College. I graduated a year early from high school. There's another thing I'll dance for the summer. I'm 16 years old. My best friend in high school, she goes to the early audition. She gets cut right away. I say, okay, I need to go somewhere to plant my fruit or something. My, mo- my mother carved wood, painted, sculpted, incredible artist. Alice Brown says to me, she said, I told you so. Get a job and learn how to dance. And I was like, what? So I gave her the scholarship and got this job down on Wall Street, J.P. Morgan Guaranteed Trust, working in the check processing department. Regular hours first, and then I sat working the graveyard shift. So midnight to 7, 8 o'clock. I have breakfast, and then I take five classes a day. Right? And then I go back to the, the office, take a nap under the desk. So I did that. I studied pedagogy, composition, and then gram, ballet. But every three months, the composition class had to show something. I was like, oh, I got 
two things I want to show. I got three things I want to show. So I'm in a circle of men, writers, and they're writing work about legacy. Mm -hmm. Saying we need to let people know that we were here. So go, we would go see Audre Lord read mm -hmm. a lot. Incredible activist poet. And she was asking the audience, are you doing your work? So I'm like, what is my work? What, what are you talking about? And then I turned to another big brother in the circle and said, I know I just started studying dance, but I think I want to start a dance company. Because I don't see people in the stuff I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I thought modern dance was supposed to be about real people. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. I don't get it. And so he said, well, who's going to tell your grandmother's story? And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. If dance is my work, let me start this company that could represent our families and our ancestors, our teachers, with a sense of accountability and responsibility so that people recognize themselves, real people. So beautiful. Yeah, so... And the support of my mom saying, I told you so. Figure this thing out. What an incredible affirmation also to feel that support from not only your mother, which I think is the ultimate, mm -hmm. but from such recognized, impactful writers, poets, artists to oh, say, yeah. yeah, you have to tell your story. Right. And your medium is dance. Mm -hmm. Where did the name Evidence come from? I think because these men were writing work about legacy, and I heard this beautiful song by Thelonious Monk called Evidence, and that was it. That was it? Mm-hmm. Then Alicia, but because I started late, I loved teaching right away, and so I was teaching everywhere. I was teaching at the Lamon School. Their company manager came a really good friend, and just out of the blue, he came to me and he said, you know, uh, well, you don't want to have a dance company, you just want to choreograph. And I was like, I've had a company for five years. What are you talking about? Here you are, such a young well, person with these big dreams and these ideas. And then I'm assuming you get a call from Judith Jamison. What was that like? So after the first concert in 85, I went to Jennifer Muller. So I'm on scholarship with Jennifer. And then she's uh, about to have an audition. She hired me. She's like, I've never hired anybody 20 years younger than me. I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> so I worked, worked with her for two years. Oh, and that's where I met Miss James. Oh, she came to set a piece with One. Jennifer Mahler. Yes. Called, I think it was called In the Life. Yeah. I had just lost uh, my mom's oldest brother, and I was just devastated. It just felt like I was talking and crying with her before rehearsal every mm. day. That was my memory. Like, and I felt like she was going through something, but she was like, no, she was having trouble with the process. Mm -hmm. I just came over one day and I put my hand on her back and I hugged her. And she said, and if you ever had a hug from Ron Brown, you know, everything would be okay. Oh. <laughs> oh. Amazing. So, and then at the Jameson Project, she asked me if I had a video. I was like, oh, I'm sorry, Ms. Jameson. I don't have a TV or any videos or DVDs. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. And so Ms. Jameson has seen Cleo Parker Robinson's dance ensemble uh. do this piece at uh, City College. And she called me and she said, okay, I want to introduce your work to the board. Do you have a, a DVD? I said, yes, Ms. Jameson, I'll bring you something. Mm -hmm. And as soon as she called me and said, oh, I want you to do a piece of the company, I was like, what? No. The boy who was afraid to take a dance class. And so I was like, Grace. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, Mr. Ellie loved Duke Ellington. Wow. Yeah, that was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, but Mr. Ellie was the reason I thought I could choreograph in the first place. This full circle moment for you. When you knew, like, okay, tomorrow's the day, I'm going to go in and work with the Ailey Company, what was going through your mind, and how did you prepare? 
Well, one, the idea that I think I had three weeks, but on Wednesday, they wanted two casts. So meaning you walk in and you need to know who you're going to be working with. Right. And have it cast. Right. Within the first two days. Yes. Yeah. But I like to choreograph in the room with people. I don't want to teach steps because uh -huh. I want us to come to the material at the same time. You're not going to be able to do that. So I developed a lot of stuff on evidence. Mm -hmm. They come in there and actually have something to give so that I could cast it and be, be ready. And as you were creating, did you have the sense that it was landing like, okay, this is coming together? I had no idea. I had no idea. You know, the dances are so beautiful and can do anything. Mm -hmm. So you try not to be too, like, infatuated or, like, just overwhelmed. <laughs> it was overwhelming, but I tried to keep my feet on the ground mm -hmm. because it was so amazing, an amazing opportunity. When did you start to study African dance? Okay. Being an American Black man right, right. growing up in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. how did that happen? And right. how did you begin your study? So there's a small dance school on Houston and Broadway called Ferretta School of Dance and Drum. So dancers from across the diaspora down in this basement. But there was no contemporary dance. So I started teaching there. And then folks from all these different places started taking my class. And then I would take class before after my class, right? Mm -hmm. So folks from Guinea, from Senegal, I was like, it's amazing. So then I, think I started playing around with different rhythms from different places. But I didn't want to use any steps because mm -hmm. I didn't want to bastardize traditional dance. Mm -hmm. And so I had this piece, Dirt Road. We were doing it in Richmond, Virginia. And someone says, excuse me, Brother Ron, can you please speak to us about the presence of Marjani in your work? I was like, wait a minute, it's hidden. It's hidden. Uh, it's see. hidden. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, it's not, it's not hidden. And then I was uh -huh. teaching at ADF, and a woman from Cote d'Ivoire speaking French. I don't speak French. But she took all of my classes, and we just spent a lot of time together. At the end of the summer, she showed me this solo, and I was like, oh, my goodness, what is that? She said, oh, that's all the movement you taught me this summer. Wow. And I was like, what? No, no, no. She said, yeah, you're doing something where you're making dance speak, and I would like you to come to Cote to teach contemporary dance. Mm -hmm. So I went to teach contemporary dance at her theater company that she was working with, and that expresses my fear of harming traditional dance. They said, no, 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 don't worry about it, because when you Americans touch it, it's already something different. The integrity is there. Study all the material and then choreograph. Don't worry about it. It's already going to be different once mm -hmm. you touch it. And then they would teach me social dances, traditional dances. So I started to understand where I was in this continuum of African dance. Getting to see your work on other dancers that I really admire, like Matthew Rushing and Asha Thomas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. What they did with the steps, it was like how you would paint or sing or create. Oh, wow. And I didn't realize that dancers who are really special make artistic choices. Hey. <laughs> and you really allowed the dancers to make those choices mm -hmm. with your work. Mm -hmm. I remember watching Matthew Rushing perform, and I just would sit there in awe and think this is how you make dance speak mm -hmm. because you're different every day. Right. And you can bring those nuances of yourself mm -hmm. or your storytelling right. to the table through your work. Mm -hmm. That's artistry, right? Being a real person. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, because you did have this 
passion for journalism. Have you found a connection between the thing that drew you to journalism and to dance and choreography? So something about the truth and the testimony. I choreograph a sentence or a phrase, and then a series of phrases that become a chapter, and they just keep building until you have a book. And so I think about it in the same way of writing a story. That's beautiful. Your choice of music is always really interesting and very varied. And with music by Fela Kuti and Duke Ellington and all of these incredible artists, I feel like these artists really had something that they needed to say. I think that's probably why I'm drawn to them. But this music was already made mm -hmm. that I'm just using to tell a story that mm -hmm. I'm making up. Can you talk about how you craft movement phrases? Like, how does the rhythm come to you? How do you Alicia. know that it's the right arm and not the left arm? <laughs> so I think when I when I improv, when I'm when I'm improvising to create a movement, I'm trying to find not my favorite thing to do, mm -hmm. or my favorite gesture, or my common gesture, but what's gonna tell the story. And if it's not right, fix it, change it. Fix it. Yes. Yeah. Does it ever feel intimidating to be in the room while the dancers are waiting for the step? It's a kind of pressure you kind of get used to, but not intimidated by it. I'm asking the dancers to not be afraid and to be open. So I have to not be afraid and mm. be open in my process, my participation too. Amazing. In terms of your movement vocabulary, can you talk about social dance influences in your work? I love to social dance. Partying is one of the places where I feel like your spirit can really be free in relationship to the music and in relationship to other people, right? So I love to bring that spirit to the concert stage. But again, not to demonstrate that we can do these things, yes. but how do you bring the spirit to share? When I performed Grace, I feel like I was given permission to praise dance, basically, uh -huh. on a concert dance stage. And it was in no way feeling secular to me. Uh-huh. That's really about intention, right? Which is what I love about traditional dance. Like the the purpose of it is already there. So you just have to meet it there and bring your spirit to it. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this idea of um, defining certain dances? I'm just curious to know your thoughts on these lines that we draw in our dance world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the issue is the power dynamic and the lack of respect that comes then after that. I mean, years ago when people just called like ethnic dance, like what, what is ethnic dance, yes. right? Like right. stop that, <laughs> stop that. So I think that, that stuff gets a little problematic. Yeah. We were watching a documentary, like this short series on Beyonce and whoever the narrator was was talking about, oh, her foray into urban music. And it's just like, what does that mean? But well, we know what that means. It's a, oh, yeah, so <laughs> just say it, right? right. right? <laughs> so I think that's the thing that gets a little problematic right. when, when they uh, try and dance around the racism, elitism that's in art, which we... We know. We know. Yeah. What are your thoughts and ideas and visions for the company and for your work? So Arcel and I have been co-directing the pre-professional training program for the Youth Arts Academy here at the Restoration. Misha, so brilliant, so brilliant. 
And we have two young men, one thirteen, one fourteen, mm-hmm. and their solos. I'm gonna cry now, Alicia. Daniel, fourteen years old, and I was like, I thought I was a passionate dancer. No, mm-hmm. he he's got it. Oh my goodness! And then Nathaniel, mm-hmm. I said, "What's the name of the piece?" He said, "Oh, it's Hanging Tree." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What do you know about this, mm-hmm. Alicia?" He knew history. He danced like he was the history, but they have all these incredible teachers, and then. The joy and abandon, and they're like 12 to 17 years old. So brilliant. It's so brilliant. So I am loving that part of the work too. Mm -hmm. And my last question is, when you get up in the morning, what is the thing that allows you to get up, do this thing and live your life? I think an opportunity to say thank you. Opportunity to say thank you. Mm -hmm. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Moving Moments. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends about it. Spread the word. Be sure to follow the show, rate us, and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. To keep up with future episodes, follow us on Instagram at Moving Moments Podcast and visit us at artfulnarrativesmedia.com. Tune in next week as we hear another inspiring artist's moving moments.